Y'all have a good Thanksgiving. Get nice and fat and eat lots of food. I uh, had a great Thanksgiving, traveled a little bit, saw some family, missed you guys like crazy, so, so glad to be back hanging out with you guys. Always love Thursday night, got a chance just to spend a few days just thanking the Lord for, uh, for this, man, for this group, for our community that he's brought together, and it truly is a gift, you know, I, I don't know, maybe if it's your first time here, so glad you came, uh, but for those of you that have been around, man, this is really something special that we get to be a part of. And I'm truly grateful. I don't know if you are, but uh, I want you to know that I'm grateful for you guys and grateful for every Thursday night that we get to, to do this. And for the community, man, the past couple weeks we had a bonfire. You guys, anybody show up to the bonfire? I heard that was lit. Another great usage of lit. So proud of myself. Uh, I heard that was awesome. <laughs> and uh, then some, we had a Friendsgiving. Some of y'all went to the Friendsgiving. So that was great at Matt's house, unbelievable. So just an incredible thing that we get to be a part of here. We've been in this discussion for the past few weeks around what we're talking about. We're talking about what's called the spiritual pathways, the spiritual pathways. And so I know for many of you, maybe you've never heard about the spiritual pathways. You don't know what they are. Um, so I wanted to kind of, I know it's been a little bit of a different feel, maybe a little bit more uh, teaching the past few weeks and less like inspirational, but I really believe that one of the key things for your age in particular is to find out your identity. And much of that is to find out how God has uniquely created you. And I hope that you know, I hope you're encouraged tonight to know that God has uniquely created you. You're not like anyone else. That's a good thing, right? You're not like anyone else. And, uh, but also, not only did he uniquely create you to be you, but he created you in a unique way to connect with him. You have a way that you, he's designed you to connect with him, and it's unique. It's not like anyone else. And so the spiritual pathways, there's nine of them. Uh, there's a lot of literature on this. You can do a lot of study. The spiritual pathways have been researched for uh, literally centuries, and uh, they're evidenced in all of Scripture. And so many people have been asking, since there are nine of them, like, are they related to the Enneagram? I, I don't think they are any Enneagram fans. All right. I feel like everybody is. So that was pretty cool to only have three of you because I'm annoyed by, like, people daily talking about the Enneagram. No. Uh, everyone's like, is it connected? I don't know if it's connected or not. I just know there's nine of them. And so we spent the past two weeks talking about them. We've done three each week. And so I'd encourage you, um, if th maybe this is your first time here in a few weeks, maybe get on the podcast. You can check them out uh, on our podcast. But let me just review them. For the past few weeks, we've talked about the intellectual pathway. Anybody know that you are, have the intellectual pathway? For all the smart people, these people connect with God through knowledge and concepts. Um, and by the way, these are not, like, you don't just have one. You have all of them. It's just a matter of kind of what are your strong pathways, right? What are the strong paths? And uh, so some of you have the intellectual pathways. Some of you talked about the traditionalist pathway, connect with God uh, through religious rituals and symbols. Some of you have the contemplative, the naturalist, the sensate that's a cool one. Those are the people that really connect with God through their senses, usually uh, more artistic, more creative. Um, then there's the enthusiast pathway, connect with God through celebration. They worship with outward expression and really believe God for supernatural. So those are six that we've talked about so far. And uh, I want to cover the last three tonight. And my hope is that as we wrap up this series that you'll discover how God has uniquely created you to connect with him. 
And um, I believe that it's liberating for many of you because you'll discover I'm not like anyone else. You'll discover that uh, you don't have to be like your best friend. It's possible that your best friend connects with God in nature. And it's possible that that's not you. You connect with God best intellectually. Maybe just getting a book, a good book, and, and reading about the theology or, or ancient church history or whatever. Maybe that's how you connect with God. So each of us is created uniquely. And the, the gift of it is as soon as you figure out kind of what are your top ones, then you can lean into those as you learn to read his word, as you learn to pray um, in community. You can lean into those and then also it helps you because you learn about other people. All of a sudden you learn like, oh, my best friend, this is how they connect with God. So no wonder they're not as passionate in the worship service or emotional in the worship service as I am because that's just not their pathway. And that's okay. So this is liberating for us all, I believe. It's helpful for us all. So we're going to spend tonight just talking about the last three. And uh, I'm hoping that it'll encourage you and be helpful to you. Are you ready? Can you just turn to your neighbor and say, gosh, I'm so glad I'm sitting next to you. Jack. <laughs> By the way, um, fist bumps only tonight. Everybody's sick, so let's just go with fist bumps later tonight, okay? No handshakes and stuff. All right, the first pathway I want to talk about tonight is called the ascetics pathway. The ascetics pathway. That's A-S-C-E-T-I-C-S. Another word that you may see this if you read up on it and do some study is the solitary pathway. Um, and these are people that connect with God through solitude and silence. These people worship through prayer and quiet time in the absence of all outside noise and distraction. So let me describe this a little bit deeper and maybe you'll begin to understand it on a deeper level. These people connect with God when they are alone far better than when they are in crowds. They like to be with people. This is not like they hate people. This is they like to be with people. They enjoy doing things with small groups. They enjoy church, all that kind of stuff. But they never really feel close to God in groups, right? They just feel more connection with the Lord uh, when they're alone. Some might say that this is the pathway for introverts. Shout out to all the introverts. That uh, just being alone is a little bit better. <laughs> that sounds so bad, but it's true. I'm an introvert, so I can make fun of myself. Being alone is just, you know, I just feel a better connection with God when I'm alone. No one's bothering me, that kind of thing. We talked about the sensate pathway. While sensate Christians are often drawn to God through their senses, Ascetic Christians are often distracted by their senses. So maybe, maybe let's just go with like the naturalist pathway. Maybe your friend really just feels a connection with God when they're outdoors, when they're uh, walking through nature. Maybe for you if, you, if the ascetic pathway is high for you, you probably get distracted by nature. Like, oh, there's a butterfly, right? Maybe that's a little bit more you. Um, and so people with the ascetic's pathway high in them uh, they usually have to get more alone to connect with God. They have to get away, withdraw from the noise and the pace of the crowds and slow down in solitude and silence. They feel more connected to God when they're writing in their journal than when they're talking to a friend, right? 
So maybe, maybe that rings a bell to you, and maybe you're saying, yeah, I think that's me. In the Bible, if you think about it, I, I was thinking about Samson. You know, Samson, in the Old Testament, this guy named Samson, he took what was called a Nazarite vow. And this vow was essentially for a season of time, a vow to do things like uh, withstain or abstain from alcohol, to abstain from cutting his hair so his hair got real long, abstain from touching dead things. It was kind of weird, but each thing that was a part of the Nazarite vow had a purpose to it. And it was this sense of uh, solitude and simplicity, a simplistic life to get away from some of the outward distractions for a season of time to connect with God on a deeper level. I was thinking about Samson, thinking about uh, if you study John the Baptist. John the Baptist lived an ascetic lifestyle. And really, it appears that this was something that Jesus valued. Now, I'm not going to say that this was high, like a high pathway for Jesus. I think Jesus probably like majored on all the pathways. All the pathways were high for him. Um, <clears throat> He probably had all of them. But the Bible does reference his emphasis on withdrawing to lonely places to pray. We constantly see Jesus withdrawing from the crowds to pray with others. It actually says that he fasted for 40 days in a desert. I don't know if it gets any more solitude than that. (laughs) If you really want to lean into this pathway, go fast for 40 days in a desert. Let me know how it goes. That's pretty intense solitude. This was a practice that Jesus had, which was to get away from the crowds so that he could connect with his heavenly father. Luke chapter 15 says, Yet the news about him, Jesus, spread all the more, so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. So everybody had heard about Jesus. They're getting all excited. So crowds of people came to him. And verse 16 says, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. I think Jesus knew the value of solitude. He often withdrew away from people. And so what we've been doing in this series is we've been given kind of a few tips for each pathway, a few tips to kind of lean into it a little bit more, but also a few cautions. So let me give you a few tips if you have this pathway. Number one, obviously, you're going to need to find time to get alone with God. Find time to get alone, away from all the distractions, just you and God not being distracted by anything. But then a little bit more in depth, I would encourage you to find a solitary place. Find a place that is peaceful for you. Find a place that you don't feel distracted. Find a place that's just solitary. I don't know what that is for you. Maybe maybe, uh, it's your back deck on your house or your apartment. Maybe it's a uh, just a room that you can designate. This is my prayer room. Maybe for you, you don't have that option of, of just like, hey, mom, I'm taking over your room to make it a prayer room. But maybe if you don't have that, uh, I would encourage you to make like a chair in your room. Make a chair. Like this is the place. This is the place that I go to every day or every time that I go to meet with God. I go to this same chair. There's something about just a designated place that is an escape. It's a place of solitude for you. I'd encourage you to find that place if you have this pathway. <clears throat> Other thing I would say is stick to the same time. Find a time and make it a part of your routine. Stick to it. There's something about people with this pathway that routine is, uh, is super important for you. So stick to the same time. For me, in my personal time, for me... Um, this is just how I operate best, is I meet with God in the night, and I do my work in the day. 
just kind of how I think. When I say nighttime, I don't mean like at the end of the day. I just mean when it's dark, like if it's dark outside, that's a time for me to meet with God. So if, whether that's in the morning or at night, I meet with God at night and I do my work in the day. Now, obviously, God can meet with me throughout the day and I can meet with him. But that's just a good routine for me. I don't know. There's something about dark night that uh, just kind of brings me into solitude and allows me to connect with him. That's me. I remember uh, I was going through a season of my life where it was really having a difficult time, like getting into a routine, getting into uh, just like spending time with the Lord on a regular basis. And so I remember talking to somebody, and I man, I just can't figure out like a good rhythm for me. And he challenged me with something, and he said, well, let me ask you this. When do you feel like you're best in your day? And I said, well, I, honestly, I think I'm a morning person. Any morning people? You got any morning people in here? It's a gift. I'm telling you, it's a gift. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, but for me, I was, I'm a morning person. So I'm the guy that's like, dude, if I'm up at midnight, I don't know what's going on. It's a crazy night happening if I'm up at midnight, right? So I'm like to bed early. And really, this is not because I'm old. This is not because I have a kid this is, and a wife and a family, that kind of thing. It's not because of that. I was doing that since college. Like, I have never pulled an all-nighter before. Is that a shock to you guys? For me, I was like, nope, packing it up. It's like 1230. I'm out. We'll figure the test out tomorrow. I don't know what's going to happen, but I'm done. I got to go to bed. I am not, I'm not that. So I'm a morning guy. So I told him, I think I'm best, like my brain operates best in the morning. And he said, well, what's your morning routine? I said, well, right now I'm at the gym at 630 in the morning because I just feel awake. And he said, well, let me just kind of push on you a little bit. Like you're giving your best time of your day to the gym. So obviously the gym is important, what exercise is important, but if you're having a hard time like finding time with the Lord because you're getting up early for the gym, like maybe you give your best time of the day to God. And that just revolutionized me a little bit and helped work out my schedule a little bit. So I would encourage you, find out when are you best in your day? When do you feel like your brain operates best? For some of you, you're like, no, I'm not getting up till 10 a.m. I'm best in my day at 10 p.m. That's great. Figure out when you're best and then lean into that as a time where you can connect with God. And I think you'll have less distractions and all that kind of stuff. And then the third kind of tip that I would give you is this. Challenge yourself with the spiritual disciplines. If you think this pathway is high for you, challenge yourself with spiritual disciplines. We talked about the spiritual disciplines earlier this year in a series called Disciplined Grace. And so uh, maybe it would be helpful to go back on the podcast and check that out. I'm pushing podcasts tonight, man. This is great. Um, check out that. And that'll help you learn what the spiritual disciplines are. Um, but usually people that are, have this pathway high in them, they really enjoy the, the disciplines, things like fasting. There's something about uh, giving up something that I can have more of God. And if you're not familiar with what that is, don't worry about it. Um, Go check out the podcast. That's the third time. Boom. I would give you a couple words of caution if you think you have this pathway. Number one is this. Uh, people with this pathway can go so far as to never come back. It can be uh, so deep in you, solitude and simplicity, that you go so far and you never come back. Here's what I mean. If you study like the monastic movements or uh, the desert fathers, in their desire to be away with God, like away from the world, away from everything, they literally escaped from the world and just went out, just a few of them, into the middle of nowhere and lived 
And it was their way of saying, we're going to get away from everything else just so we can connect with God. But in their desire to do that, they never came back. And I believe that's completely unbiblical and it's not healthy. God's desire for you is that you get away to have time with him to be filled up so that you can then come back into the world and deliver what he has given you or live the way that he has spoken to you when you were alone with him. Does that make sense? At some point, you have to come back and you have to be with everyone else. So I would encourage you, allow God to fill you up in private so that you can be poured out in public. If you only get filled up but you never get poured out, You're missing a whole part of it. Jesus went away from the distractions, from everything to be filled up, to get fresh vision, fresh obedience, fresh instruction for his life, um, fresh like faith, fresh power, so that when he got back around people, he was filled up and he had something to pour out. The same is true for you. So if you have this pathway, embrace it. Embrace it and make sure you lean into it and get alone with God. But make sure you're not neglecting to get back into the world with people. I love this scripture. One of my favorite scriptures in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 through 25. It says this. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. But encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day approaching. So here's what I would say, just a second caution off of that scripture is this. People with this pathway have the tendency to feel like church is not for them. Church is just not for me. I always find it strange when someone says, I'm a Christian, I just don't believe in the church. Those two things do not coexist. I know church may have disappointed you in the past. Maybe church has failed you in the past. But believers being in community together, a part of a church together, it was God's idea. Like it was literally his institution that he put together. So it's not a thing to say I'm a Christian, but I don't believe in the church or I'm not a part of the church. I just kind of do life, me and God, by myself, alone, just me and him. I read his word. I pray. I talk. Community, a part of his church with other believers was a part of his design and how he created you to be. Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds and give, not giving up meeting together. This was the instructions, and you can read all of the New Testament. It's, it's people doing life together. It's people sharing resources together. It's people praying over one another. It's, it's life together as a part of a community of believers. So I just want to encourage you, Even though you may connect with God in solitude, away from everything else, the church was meant, community was meant for each and every one of us. Does that make sense? So whether you like like a church of 10,000 people or whether you like a church of 100 people, find what works for you, but be a part of a community of believers. Second pathway, you ready? Second pathway is this. It's called the caregiver pathway. The caregiver pathway. I'm so excited about this. I was talking to a few ladies 
uh, two weeks ago who were filling out the assessment. By the way, if you want to find out what, which pathways are strong in you, we have a kind of an assessment you can take. It's a paper assessment. It's a few pages. We have them available outside in the lobby um, at the hub. Just pick one off the table, take it home with you, and uh, you can take the assessment and figure out which ones are high in you. But I was talking to a few girls last week who uh, were talking about the caregiver pathway. So these people connect with God through helping and serving others. They worship by giving of themselves. I love this pathway. I love people with this. It's such a beautiful thing. And let me make this clear. This is different than just being a nice person. <laughs> it's one thing, I mean, I think all of us are called as believers to be loving to people and to meet the needs of people. But these people experience a unique connection with God when they are serving others. Like it's just in their DNA. It's in who they are. It's in their identity, how God has created them. These people are usually really sensitive to those who are hurting. They're inclined to see a need and figure out how to meet it. These people tend to just have a way of like gravitating to people who are in need. Usually their friends uh, find them to be a source of comfort because they're really empathetic. Uh, I've seen this. Usually anyone in the medical field has a high caregiver pathway. Also, I, I love this. Uh, missionaries have a high caregiver pathway in them. And I think that's really cool. I don't know. You may not care about this, but it used to be, it seems like used to be missionaries were big, like they were church planners or leadership developers. And I feel like now there's this uh, kind of lean into missionaries now having a he heavy high caregiver pathway like do you just love people do you want to meet the needs of people do you see people with needs and go man I want to jump into that and I want to help solve that so there's quite a few people that have this pathway I think people with this pathway are such a gift because just inherently we are creatures who are very self-centered right every single one of us would just have self-centeredness all in us so when someone carries this pathway, I really believe it was like a, it's, it's a God-given thing on their life with such intentionality uh, that God would give this to them. However, I do think it is also one of the most underused pathways. I think it's one of the most underused, especially with your age, and here's why. Many of these people who have this pathway, it's very high in them, they just kind of see themselves as being nice people. And so when they have an opportunity to be nice, they're going to be nice. Rather than actually engaging and leveraging this pathway inside of them as a way to connect with God. Also, it's one of the, the easiest pathways to neglect because you just kind of like it requires sacrifice and time. Think about this. If you connect with God in nature, if you're high in the naturalist pathway, what do you got to do? Just go freaking take a walk outside. I don't know. Like, it's pretty easy. You just step outside your house and walk around. Obviously, that's not super high in mind. But, like, if you have the intellectual pathway, get a book and read. Right? If you have the caregiver pathway, I feel like it's a little bit more 
complicated because it's going to require time and sacrifice. It may require you to call up somewhere and say, hey, I want to look in somewhere to volunteer. I want to look somewhere to get involved in serving people. I want to, I want to have a commitment to something. So let me give you a couple of tips if, if you have the high caregiver pathway. The first one is this. Obviously, find places to serve people who are hurting and needy. Find places or find a place to serve people who are hurting or in need. Maybe you want to visit the elderly at a, nurse, at a nursing home. Maybe you want to help repair a house. Maybe you want to serve at a care and recovery ministry. Maybe you want to volunteer at a battered woman's shelter. Find a place that you can jump into volunteer and serve because you have a high caregiving pathway you want to help people but I would encourage you to plan it plan it like one Saturday a month I will go to this place otherwise here's what's here's what oftentimes happens if you have this pathway but you're not a planner you're not you're like organized you're you don't you know work well with a calendar or whatever what can happen is you'll never set aside, set aside a time to really engage this pathway. And so you'll end up not leveraging. You'll end up not using it as a way to connect with God. So set aside a time to lean into that pathway. The second thing I would encourage you to do is, if possible, develop a caregiving skill. If possible, develop a caregiving skill. The good news for people with this pathway is that there are a number of professions, like literal careers that you can get into that express this pathway. Now, what I'm not saying, please hear me, is that if you have this pathway, but you're like on the track to get a degree in business, that you quit that degree and go be a nurse. Please don't do that. You, there's plenty of ways that you can lean into this. But what I am saying is that if it's an option for you, there's lots of like professions, there's lots of careers that leverage this pathway. Like I said, I think the medical field obviously is a natural one for this. Uh, counseling, usually counselors have a high caregiving pathway. The social service sector. I remember um, hearing a guy one time who was a civil engineer, but gave up two years of his life to move to Africa to help build wells for the people there so that they could have water. Incredible, right? So his like profession or career, I wouldn't say is necessarily one that leverages caregiving, but he found a way to use it. So I would encourage you, find a way to use it, and if possible, develop a skill that helps you use it. And here's why. Having a heart for people in need is good, but having a skill to help them is better. Having compassion, having a heart for people who are in need is great. I just think having a skill that can actually help them is better. And the third tip that I would give you if you have this is I'd encourage you to think small before you think big. Naturally, if you have this, I think the, the natural instinct is, well, I want to go do something huge. Like, I want to solve world hunger. I want to go, you know, across the world into these places that uh, are in poverty, all this kind of thing. But, but then you have opportunities like what Lucas was saying at Camp Grace, where you can give four weeks of your summer to care for kids. 
Start small before you think big. And maybe it's not even four weeks. Maybe it's not that. Maybe it's just, God, would you give me an opportunity to lean into this pathway, to care for someone, to meet a need in someone like today? Just give me an opportunity to meet someone's need today. Because if this pathway is high in you, you will find a great deal of satisfaction in like a connection with God when you lean into it. Does that make sense? But I think people, this is one of the dangers of our culture and specifically in young people today that I see. People who have a desire to like spread the gospel across the world and yet won't spread the gospel across the coffee shop, really, I think, just want to go on a cool adventure. And maybe that's a little harsh, but I really believe if, if you want to take the gospel all across the world, but you're not willing to take it to your neighbor, then maybe you're just trying to go on a cool vacation. And so let's focus on the small things and how God would lead us to care for people around us before we think big. A couple words of caution for people with this pathway. Number one, I would encourage you to watch for the trap of comparison. This is tough for people with the caregiving pathway because God has uniquely designed you to have deep compassion and empathy for people. It's how he has uniquely given that to you. Therefore, you will likely be upset when you don't see the same thing in others, right? How come they just don't care about poverty stuff like I do? How come they don't care about meeting people's needs? How come they don't care about the sick? How come they don't care about these things? Listen, God is uniquely, that, that is something that we should all, as Christians, we should stand out for caring for people's needs, right? We should all have that in us. But it is something that God has uniquely gifted and put on you with this caregiver pathway. And so I want to just challenge you to watch out for the trap of comparison. I was thinking about the story of Mary and Martha. If you're familiar with the story in the book of Luke in the New Testament, uh, Mary and Martha, Martha invites Jesus into her home. Jesus comes into the home. There's a group of people there. And then Mary, their two sisters, Mary ends up just sitting by Jesus' feet, like just chilling with him and listening to him talk and all these kinds of things while Martha is busy doing everything. Busy making sure everybody's taken care of. Everybody's got food. Everybody's got drink. Everybody's okay. Everybody's comfortable, right? Martha's busy doing that. And then what happens? She actually gets upset because Mary's just chilling out. <laughs> and she's working the whole time, making sure everybody's needs are taken care of. And she actually goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, don't you care that I'm the only one working here? And then he puts an emphasis on sometimes, sometimes it's not all about what you do. Sometimes it's about just being with me. So I just want to encourage you, watch out for the comparison trap of wanting people to have the same passion or the same compassion for those who are in need as you. The second thing is mature your passion with understanding. I'd encourage you to mature your passion with understanding. And here's why I'd say that. Meeting a need is good, but helping someone be without need is better. So meeting someone's need is a good thing, and we're instructed to do that in Scripture. 
But helping someone be without need or understand how they got into need so that they don't get back into need, that's a great thing as well, isn't it? Do you agree? Okay. So I, I just kind of see it like this. When you think about compassion, when you think about caregiving for people, kind of like level one is meeting someone's need. I think level two is like understanding behind the need or helping someone uh, prevent someone from being in that place of need. Think about this, the issue of homelessness. Let's say I have two people who are passionate about meeting the needs of homelessness in the community, a great thing to be passionate about. But let's say I go up to someone and I'm like, hey, why, like, why are you serving at this homeless shelter and meeting these needs? And let's say he says, well, I just, we're instructed in Scripture to, to care for those who are in need. So that's just being obedient to Scripture. All right, good. That's a great answer. I love it. Being obedient to Scripture, great. But let's say I go over to person number two, and I say, why are you serving at the homeless shelter? And this person begins to say things like, well, First of all, I'm being obedient, and I'm just doing what God's called us to do to care for people. But also, did you know that there are over 3,000 homeless youth in Atlanta? And did you know that 50% of those 3,000 homeless youth in Atlanta come from the foster care system? Which means that many of them have no authority figure. Many of them have been from broken homes. Many of them have never had a dad. And so, man, I'm just passionate about being that person in someone's life. Do you see the difference in the two? Both are great. I'm just saying, like, somebody who has understanding behind the need, I feel like if you have this pathway in you, then lean into that. Don't just be a level one. Lean into level two because you will find much more satisfaction and much more, like, Man, I'm using this pathway, this gift that God has put on me whenever you go to the deeper level, like a level two of understanding. Having compassion for someone is awesome. If you have compassion for the poverty and the destitution of Haiti and you want to see it met, and so you see a commercial and you say, these kids look hungry. I'm going to give some money to this organization. Great. Love it. We should do that. But man, if this pathway is high in you, just go to, go to a deeper level of, of saying, man, I, I, wonder, I wonder why since 2010, over $13 billion of relief has been sent to Haiti, and yet they still have a 59% poverty rate there. I'm no economist, I don't, so I don't specialize in that, but something seems to be off with that, right? I wonder what's going on there. I'm just encouraging you, get into it a little bit deeper, and I think you'll find a satisfaction in leaning into that pathway that God has given you. We still good? You following me? Yeah. All right. You guys look dead. I'm sorry. Turn to your neighbor and say, not you. You look awesome. All right, the last pathway that I want to talk about, and then we'll close up shop here. last pathway is kind of similar to the caregiver pathway. It's the activist pathway. The activist pathway. These people connect with God through confrontation. Kind of a weird thing, but let's just talk about it. Connect with God through confrontation, fighting for godly principles and values. They worship through their dedication to and participation 
and God's truth about social and evangelistic causes. These people are usually very passionate about elevating right and tearing down wrong. Elevating what's right in the world and bringing down what's wrong in the world. These people are usually on the front lines of fighting for justice and reform. These are usually the people sitting in church going, we got to do something. Like worship, this is fun, this is great, this guy talking, that's cool. But are we seriously just kind of going to get in a bubble here and ignore the fact that there are homeless people freezing in the cold out there and we're going to do nothing about it, right? That's usually how an activist pathway person thinks. They're similar to caregivers, just a little bit more angry. <laughs> oh, that was my one joke of the whole talk. That's good. Just a little bit more angry. They're just more fired up. They're just more fired up. They're passionate about causes. These are people, they hear causes like sex trafficking and the sex trade, and they think, gosh, I need to be doing something about this. We need to be doing something about this to stop it. And it doesn't just stop there with them. They get involved. They figure out what is my part to play in doing this. Once again, as a follower of Jesus, this should be in all of us. This is something in all of us that we should carry. We should all have a, a desire to elevate what's right in the world and bring down what's wrong in the world. That should be something in all of us. But the pathways just point out that for some of you, God has uniquely put this in you and you're going to care about it more. And that's great. That's a gift. And so if that's you, learn how to lean into it. In the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's a book called Amos. And uh, this guy, Amos, he's a prophet, and he wrote to the Israelite people really with a sense of outrage because the people of God were, were living spiritually and saying spiritual things, and yet they were doing things like becoming rich off of the poor, kind of like a Robin Hood situation, right? It, they were doing things like that. And uh, Amos gets just fired up, and he's like, this is not what it means to follow God. And he starts writing, and he writes this prophetic word in Amos chapter 5. And I want to read it to you. And this is what he says that the Lord has said. He says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. This is in the Bible. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. I love this next part. He says, away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. He says, but let justice roll like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. It was in Amos, this burning fire to say, forget with all of your songs and all of these spiritual activities. If you're going to neglect the needs of the people around you, Forget it. And he says that. I love it. And then what's even cool is centuries later, thousands of years later, actually, a guy by the name of Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, that many of us 
read his speeches and we know all about his life. He said in 1963, he wrote, a, he wrote a note, a letter from a jail cell to a group of pastors who he felt like they were not being responsible with their duty in the civil rights movement. And he said these words, he quoted Amos and he said, let justice roll down like water. This is what Martin Luther King Jr. said. He used those words. I think he had a little bit of an activist pathway in him, don't you think? I think you read about Moses. I think Moses had an activist pathway in him. It was placed there by God for a purpose. And so a couple tips for people with this pathway, and then uh, we'll get ready to worship. First thing is this. I would encourage you to build an active prayer life. Build an active prayer life. And here's why I would encourage you with that. An activist or someone with the activist pathway is often very ambitious, right? They come out with things like, I'm going to change the world. I'm going to solve this problem. I'm going to go after this. I'm going to go, we're going to change this. They're very ambitious to make change. And it's great. We need that. They're driven by passion. But as a believer, we are the tool that God uses to bring about the change that he desires. And so I think if you have this pathway and this high ambition to bring about change, if you will couple that, pair that with a leaning into prayer and a strong prayer life, what it will do is it will make you aware, it will make you conscious, it will make you lean into God. What do you want to bring about? And then you'll keep a humble spirit and go, this is not me bringing about change. This is not just my ambition and my just hard work to bring about change in the world. But I am actually hearing from God, and this is him bringing about it. And I'm just his tool that he's using. So I think if you have that pathway specifically, couple that with a really active prayer life. Because it will keep you humble, and it will keep you remembering that it was God who desired change in the first place. The second tip that I would give you is understand the balance of church community. It's important for you to understand the balance of church community. The church is a balance of worship, evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, and activism. It has all these things, right? It's not just worship. It's not it's not that we like just care about those who are already followers of Jesus, so let's just get in a huddle and talk about how to be better followers of Jesus. No, we have an evangelistic uh, perception or an evangelistic approach to church as well because we want people coming in the doors who are not yet followers of Jesus. So it has all of these different aspects, including activism. And so understand the balance of it. Because it is likely, if you have this pathway, it's likely that you will get restless in church. You're going to get restless. And you will leave it to go do something. Just tired of these people just singing and talking and then they don't do anything. I'm just going to go do my own thing. I'm done with the church. Understand the balance of church community. It's a balance of worship, evangelism, all those different things. Learn rather to activate the community. If God has put this activist pathway in you, then learn how to activate those around you to say, hey, let's go be a part of this in the church. Hey, I know we come on Thursday nights. Let's go also do this. 
Let's go also bring about change in our community by doing this. And people get so upset because they're like, what is the, you know, what is the church doing for one, two, three, name your thing. What's the church doing for this social issue? What's the church doing for reform? What's the church doing about injustice? Those are great questions, and the church should have a large part in those things. But I think the better question is, what are you doing? Because you are the church, right? So if you go do something, then the church is doing something. And I just think too often we wait for the church as an organization to do something for these things, and we wait for the organization to lead it. And I want to challenge you as the people because the church is not an organization. The church is a people. If you go do something, then the church is doing something because you are the church. You hearing me? So go do something and activate the people around you. Let's go do this together. That's why we do this. And let me just close by giving you one word of caution. And I would caution you, if you have a high activist pathway, I'd caution you just to make sure you center your calls on Christ and his gospel. The gospel is the only real lasting hope for the world. It's the only hope for the world. Every injustice you see in the world is a result of sin, is a result of things where there is a lack of the gospel. And the gospel really solves it all. And so while I believe we're called to fight things like that, and we're called to have a voice in the community for things like that, and we are called to be activists, make sure your cause is centered on the gospel. Keep your focus on that. There are many fights worth fighting for. Many fights worth fighting for. And someone should fight every single one of them. But I really believe there is no greater fight than the fight to get the gospel to each and every person. The fact that Jesus came and he gave his life to save you from your sin. And that through him you can have eternal life. That's the number one fight worth fighting for. And so that wraps up kind of three more spiritual pathways. And I don't know if uh, maybe you're going, yeah, I think... I think I'm one of those, or I think that's high in me. I'd encourage you to figure it out. Take, a, take the assessment, or go find an assessment online, figure it out. Because as soon as you start to realize, this is my one, two, three, kind of my highest pathways, I really, lock and load with me just for a second, I really believe that God will unlock something in you, and you'll begin to experience a connection with him like you never have. All of a sudden, it's like, wait a second. God wants to connect with me by engaging in this. He's put this high. This is a desire in me. This activist pathway is something that he has given me. So my connection with him, I'm going to lean into that. I'm going to go after that. That's how he has created me. Man, once you figure that stuff out, it's like stuff gets unlocked in you, and all of a sudden you have a brand new connection with him. My prayer over everything else is that you would understand that God is uniquely created you with a purpose how cool of him how cool of him that he would care so much about you and so much about connecting with you and have a relationship with you that he would give you one of these things and say hey you are made on purpose with a design and this is one of the ways that that's expressed I think that's a real gift and a real kindness 
of him. Let me pray for you. So Lord, I thank you once again that, that you would care that much about us, that you would care that much about connecting with us, with each and every person in this room. Lord, that you would desire that. And truthfully, God, you desire a connection with us far more than we even desire it with you. And so, Lord, I pray for the person in the room who may, if they were just real honest, say, you know, that connection is just not there. And it's been a season or it's been a life. It's just been a long time or it's been a short time that I have not felt a connection with God. Lord, I I pray that you would unlock something tonight. And that first you would remind them of your unique care and your unique purpose and your unique design of their life, so much so that you would create ways for them to experience you in a unique way. And God, would you just bring them into a nearness with you like they've never felt before, like they've never experienced before, out of your kindness and your love for us. Thank you, Lord, for your promise which says if we draw near to you, you will draw near to us. And so, Lord, we lean on that promise. And um, God, for the person in here who is maybe just neglected to draw near, God, would you just overflow them, overwhelm them with your love and remind them that you're not mad at them, but, God, that you are desiring to connect with them And um, Lord, help them to draw near to you. We love you. We thank you that you've created us this way. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.